0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, November 24th, 2021. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Are are there any holiday traditions at the Adams household that you'd like to share, Aaron?
1: As a native Michigander... One Mm -hmm. thing that we are born and raised to observe on Thanksgiving is a humiliating loss of the Detroit Lions, usually by the second string high school squad from around the corner if they can't find anyone else to play. But yes, Thanksgiving is always a day to watch the Lions get beaten unceremoniously and then fall asleep on the couch with our pants unbuttoned from a turkey overdose, apparently.
0: Wow. Okay. We tend to bury the needle in the other direction where the hills are very much into watching Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade in fact. The year of 911, uh, I actually made it down to New York City and stood on the sidewalk. It was one of the these rare moments in my life where you you saw you know, for example we were Visiting where they inflate the balloons around uh, the Museum of uh, Natural History.
1: And how long did it take you to inflate one of those things?
0: Oh, they were. Was added- it
1: one nozzle, there, or did you get to have team
0: members blow on other ends of it? Was it all just by lung power? No, giant trucks of helium. It was oh. uh, you know, it's very interesting, all of them under cargo nets, but it was also, I have never seen that many police in my entire life, in any one place. And the weird thing is, after 9-11, that was a good feeling. It was like, Mm -hmm. hey, lots of police. Okay, we're safe. Anyway, Aaron and I are recording today because the first two episodes of Hawkeye, uh, the latest limited series from Marvel Studios for Disney+, Plus, dropped earlier today, and we'll be discussing those at length. On the second half of today's show, but first the news and the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. And speaking of traveling... Aaron, we have a lot of Marvel-related news coming out of Orlando this week. Did you see the news that came out of the Destination D23 thing that was held at the Contemporary this past weekend? I don't think I did. I wasn't invited. Was I, was I supposed to be there? Did I let somebody I, down? No. The, oh. No, you, you did fine, but what was kind of interesting this year, for the first time ever, they live streamed this event. People had paid big bucks to be in the room to experience these things live, and they threw it open to uh, D23 members to watch at home. And one of the things that got revealed is that multi-time Academy Award nominee Glenn Close, she's going to be reprising her role as Nova Prime from 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy for Epcot's new thrill ride, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. We got a cool poster for the storytelling coaster, Rocket is front and center. Also, we have a projected range of dates for the opening of this new thrill ride. Based on what was shared at the Disney fan event, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind will be opening to the public sometime in the summer of 2022, which... As Mr. Testa likes to point out, means that this Epcot ride could open in late June. It could also open early September, or any date in between. Also, they began working on the roof of the original Universe to Energy show building earlier this week. That structure was previously covered with all sorts of solar panels, and looks like that design element will not be returning for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Let's see. Oh, last week's show, we shared that on Monday, November 8th, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 had officially begun production. Tide goes in, tide goes out, uh, because earlier this week we learned the production of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has just officially wrapped. In fact, just yesterday, Peyton Reed tweeted out, Principal photography on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is now complete. Can't wait to show you all of what we've been up to downside is that we're going to have to wait till July 28th, 2023 to finally see what Jonathan Majors Kang, the conqueror character has been up to. Um, This is when eight men and the wasp quantum mania is supposed to be released to theaters. Whereas uh, guardians of the galaxy volume three will be arriving your local multiplex 12 weeks earlier on May 5th, 2023. So we know that Loki has been uh, renewed for a, a second season. And my understanding is that limited series will go into production at Marvel Studios in 2022. So I guess the big question now is, do we get season two of Loki before Quantum Mania? So they sort of tee up What's going on with Kang the Conqueror? I don't know. I have a hard
1: time following the schedule of certain. There's just so many um, marvelous things coming out. Mm -hmm. But they're all different titles. There's not a season two of anything yet. So right now it's still a shotgun blast of everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we haven't really gotten into like a rhythm or a pattern like Mandalorian. Well, you can almost set your watch by Mandalorian, and if it isn't mm-hmm. Mandalorian, it's going to be Book of Boba Fett, a different Mandalorian that started this whole mess to begin with. Mm-hmm. And and so that's like almost a much more reliable, predictable thing It's going to be happening like every December or so. And yeah. uh, with with Marvel, it's just like I don't know what we're getting, boo boo, but I hope it's a lovely picnic <laughs> basket. I'm going to eat whatever's inside of it.
0: <laughs> okay. I, I, no, I just, Really, I have to applaud. Uh, the, the Nice Hanna-Barbera work there. Okay. Anyway, we were just talking about Florida a moment ago, which is where the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions just held their annual Attractions Expo at the Orange County Convention Center. Supposedly, one of the real highlights of this year's event was a panel off of the main floor where Thierry Coop, the Senior VP and Creative Officer of Universal Creative, Scott Trowbridge, the portfolio creative executives for Walt Disney Imagineering, and Phil Hedema, the president and creative director of the Hedema Group, all came together to tell the story of how the amazing Adventures of Spider-Man attraction, which which was the marquee ride uh, for Marvel Superhero Island, how it opened at uh, Universal's Islands Adventure back in May of 1999. This panel was hosted by themed entertainment legend Bob Rogers, also another Disney vet, And it just had all of these amazing behind-the-scenes stories about this motion-based 3D ride, which in the year 2000 won a Theo Award from the Themed Entertainment Association for Outstanding Themed Entertainment and Experience Design. And these three were very straightforward about the really convoluted path it took to get a Spider-Man ride. The first iteration of this this attraction had nothing to do with Marvel, and that was largely because Universal uh, had cut a deal with Warner Brothers. And the first version of the Second Gate for Florida was actually going to be called Two Universal Studios, and was going to celebrate DC comic book characters. There was going to be off of the main lagoon of the park. One side was going to be Metropolis, this light and beautiful city. And the other side was going to be Gotham and dark and brooding. And and then on the other side of the lake was actually going to be Looney Tunes lands with Acme University. Lex
1: Luthor has kidnapped Wiley e. Coyote, strapped him to a Acme rocket, and is launching it at Metropolis.
0: Will Superman be able to get there to save the day and time? Let's watch and find out. I know you didn't intentionally do this, but they did, in fact, have... Of Roadrunner Wiley Coyote Ride planned as part of the mix. And you come through the queue and you arrive, and it's it's that classic firework shape that Wiley Coyotes mm. always worked with, but it's overlaid over a, a roller coaster car. And then it's time to launch. And the attendant directs your attention to the end of the car. And they hit a button, and a giant robotic arm comes out with a fake match, yeah. and it, you know supposedly lights the rocket before it then sends you careening through the canyons chasing the Roadrunner. They
1: should have just uh, used a giant rubber band and made it into a slingshot
0: and launched you that way. See, this is scary. I I, I want you to start buying more lottery tickets because that was actually the opening. Of the fantastic world of Hanna Barbera ride, which they did build next door <laughs> at Universal. I mean, it literally starts off with you know how we get how we you know in fact it's Yogi Bear. You just did Yogi Bear. You it's know, Jim, Bubu.
1: I, 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 I got to tell you that my uh, fame and fortune is so great because I am uh, a known inventor. I have invented mm-hmm. so many things that already existed by other people. <laughs> I, again, I'm, I'm still there's very no impressed. money in it, but uh, I'm really yeah. good at coming up with stuff other people already came up with. Have I told you? about this Liggett bulb. It's going to provide Liggett for everybody.
0: <laughs> I'll get right on that after I, I, I okay. handle this call from Mr. Edison. All right. Um, so again, could have been a DC park, Could have been a DC character-based ride. But in the end, it's Scott Troubo, who talks about It was a lucky break that Universal and Warners had a falling out over how much they were willing to pay for the theme park rights to this entire library of characters. So in the end, uh, Warners walks away and, you know, Universal is scrambling and here's Marvel just coming out of its bankruptcy and is desperate to make any sort of deal with anyone. So they quickly acquire the theme park rights to a select number of the Universal characters. And Scott Trowbridge talks about how it was a lucky break because if you, you know, there's just something different about the Marvel characters and, and there's particularly something different about Spider-Man that I think worked really well for us. Cause in that he's just a kid who got lucky or unlucky. And so that way it was one of those things where the people in line could really get on board with who Peter Parker was, you know, almost immediately. And They get to work on this attraction, and right off the bat, because you have a limited budget and you have a limited time, there were compromises that had to be made. There was a point where they made a decision that they'd go from eight-person ride vehicles to the 12-person scoop vehicle that now powers The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man. But given the additional cost and how much bigger these vehicles were, that meant they had to actually cut three whole scenes out of the ride to make room for the, the larger ride vehicles, and which in a weird sort of way actually paid off because it, it meant that the ride was better paced. But, you know, if you talk to these through, they're they just like, oh, those three scenes were so cool. But then, you know, it's one thing to design it. It's another thing to sell it. There was this great story about when it came time to sell the executives on universal that we want to do the Spider-Man ride. And so it was such a bare bones version of the attraction. (laughs) What it basically involved is they took the executives down to a soundstage on the universal lot in Hollywood and they put them in an office chair and while they played 3D footage and you know, and put 3D glasses on these folks, they pushed them around the floor of the sound stage next to physical sets and every so often would, would set off a fire extinguisher in their direction. So it would do like a, a physical effect. And some executive at Universal saw through the bare bones, ridiculous push me around in an office chair thing and thought. This could be cool. Okay, here's $100 million. And that's how we wound up with the Spider-Man ride that we know and love today. Speaking of theme parks, news broke out of the Disneyland Resort that walk-around character versions of Clint Barton and Kate Bishop had just today begun appearing at the Avengers Campus on Disney's California Adventure Theme Park.
1: All right, so that means they're no longer waiting to find out if something is popular. They're they're proactively getting in front of these things so they can have a day and date with the premiere of the show, which is kind of cool. Don't you think? Well, I mean, you need something in the Avengers campus, so you might as well Mm -hmm. throw an Avenger in there every once in a while. That would help. (laughs) Go figure.
0: (laughs) Remember what was, wasn't it just two weeks ago, three weeks ago that, that they had a trio of Eternals show up there as well. I mean, I like that they are leaning into it this way. On the other hand, just this morning, I got a note from the Disney Music Group, which made me aware that Save the City, the, the song from Rogers the Musical we get to see in the first episode of Hawkeye, is now available for, for downloading if, if you feel the need to listen to that thing I'm twice. buying
1: it. Where, where is it? Is it uh, on iTunes? Is it on Disney Plus? Where do you go for this? I will send
0: you the link. I believe uh, if you Google Disney music and uh, save the city, they, they will gladly set you up to. to get right. ready. I'm going to get it right now. We'll have it before the episode's over. Yeah. By the way, this song was written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who also wrote the score for Disney's Mary Poppins Returns. So let's face it. This song is wonderfully terrible. Hulk, you know the word. Hulk, you know the word. <laughs> Smash. Uh, uh-huh. That's gold, baby. Uh, okay. We'll tell you what. How was the rest of Hawkeye? Enter and I will talk about that on the second half of today's show. First go, unleash your lightning. Then, Natasha,
1: that's your cue. Yes! Then Hawkeye hit the Just tonight, cause
0: we've got to hear you got to hear you, got to hear you, got to hear you say. I can do all day. before we get started here, uh, a couple of things, Aaron, you had mentioned. The ads for No Way Home that have begun bubbling up and, uh, you know, it seems like every ad has one additional scene that we haven't seen before, and it seems to be making the fan community a, a little crazy. In fact, that you were talking about the somewhat bizarre expectations that are out there right now. Well, everyone's almost
1: taking this as a given that Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire will end up showing up in this next spider-man movie but they leapfrog right past that too and then sony's gonna make spider-man 4 and sam raimi's gonna direct it and bruce campbell's gonna have a cameo and then andrew garfield is gonna get amazing spider-man 3 guys like just a week after that i swear to god and uh no i don't think it's gonna go down like that bro you need to settle your expectations just a touch
0: I almost enjoy that more than your yogi beer. <laughs> all, all right. But the weird part of it is, I mean, we have talked about how supposedly Sony has plans for a Sinister Six film. You know, and if you look at the folks who have come back to the table, that does look likely. So why is it that that's likely? But yet uh, another Toby Maguire or Andrew Garfield Spider Man movie is not. They're making it sound like
1: it's already written and filmed and done. Oh, got it. I mean, it'd be cool if it did happen eventually, someday, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's realistically sony's invested more time in setting up the fact that there's venom and there's morbius and they're going to have control of spider-man in the near future the tom holland version and i think that their eggs are pretty much in a basket right now Mm. and if they could make more money sure they'll make more money but their focus is on the you know the prime money you know they'll get to the The cut's with some fat on it later. Right now, there's a very meaty cut right in front of them, and that's the main Spider-Man universe that they've been. The spunk! They've got a spunk, Jim. The amazing and the old Sam Raimi aren't part of spunk yet. They're just a Mm -hmm. fringe spunk. So right now, we got to get our prime spunk, and then we can get to our fringe spunk later on.
0: You're killing me. Okay. Um, all right. I, we were just talking about music a moment ago, and I, I know again you're not uh, all that enthusiastic about Agatha, the House of Harkness limited series that's supposedly coming from Disney Plus. But it's worth noting that you know that there's a lot of folks in the industry who have great affection for what Catherine Hahn did with this character, and no greater example of that is that the news about the Grammy nomination for the the theme song, it was Agatha all along from episode seven of WandaVision. It's been nominated for best song written for visual media category. And again, this is something that Christian Anderson Lopez and her husband Bobby put together. So I'm intrigued to see if it will actually win because Catherine didn't actually pick up the Emmy for Best Supporting, last month or thereabouts. But anyway, okay, so we're now talking about Disney Plus and the limited series. And of course, we just got the first two episodes of a brand new one, Hawkeye, uh, which kicked off with episode one, Never Meet Your Heroes. What are your thoughts on episode one, Aaron?
1: Uh, I was thrilled that we got the... Rogers the musical right up front because I was just so anticipating when are they going to show it is it going to be middle of the series end of the series and like right up front we get it out of the way it was brilliant Uh, my wife almost died laughing from it we had to call an ambulance she's okay now but man the bills are going to rack up from that that one scene alone that was some funny funny stuff there's a lot of good character set up, but it was the uh, first question was, wait a minute, when did Hawkeye become hearing impaired? Did we know about this? And I was getting ready to Google when was Hawkeye get his hearing damaged? And then later on, they reference that he's wearing a hearing aid, and then they do a l- quick little montage of many explosions that he was nearby, and so it kind of indicates it's more of a thing that happened over time throughout the course of the many adventures, but. There's got to be some sort of relevance. This is the gun of the Chekhov's gun principle, right, Jim? They show it in act one. Yeah. And then uh, towards the, at the very, very end of episode two, we get a villain who uh, Mm. is also hearing impaired. So coincidence that these two things happen within hours of each other, probably not probably written in there. I would have to imagine there'll be some
0: relevance later on, right? One would hope. I mean, I, I enjoyed the structure here. The fact that they chose to start, Basically, Kate Bishop's origin story with the attack on New York, all but indicated w- with the visuals that what prompted Kate on her path to become, you know, this amazing, you know, martial arts person and excellent archery and gymnastics was that she, you know, saw a Chitari warrior bearing down on her. And, you know, who took her out but Clint Barton on a nearby rooftop, you know, using an arrow. Well, they had to
1: write that moment in specifically because they said, at what point throughout this entire movie saga that is known as the MCU has Clint Barton actually looked cool doing something? And it was the moment he was diving backwards off of a building, shooting a rappel line back up to save his own butt from certain destruction was the one time where, yes, indeed... Hawkeye looked pretty darn cool doing something besides just guy with bow and arrow. Oh. And uh and that was the moment she got to witness someone and went, Wow, ba chicka,
0: wah wah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now after our title sequence, which collapses a lot of Kate's training and her excelling in her field, uh, we meet up with Kate in college who has been challenged by friends to pull a prank that really goes south. You know, uh, takes out the clock tower and the bell uh, at school, and so her moneyed uh, now moneyed mom, who owns uh, Bishop Security, that's your get out of jail free card when she needs really cool software to be able to find people. Right. Yep. Kate goes home and she meets her mom's new boyfriend, and then learns from Armand the Third, a lovely cameo by Simon Cowell that these two are engaged and this is when we, we get to meet. Is that actually how Clint is introduced in the film in the audience of Rogers, the musical?
1: Yeah. I believe that's your first glimpse of him himself cringing at the performance of them saving the day in musical fashion.
0: Yeah. He's a dad in New York with his kids trying to reconnect. And, and I I love that moment where they're finishing up their meal. They're going to head out and go see the tree at Rockefeller center and, he goes to settle the bill and it's like, no, you you can't pay here. You saved the city. They did an interesting thing with Clint in that, you know, for example, it's only the guy next to him at the urinal that recognizes him and but still wants the inappropriate selfie mm-hmm. in the men's room. And in fact, doesn't Kate address this issue as part of, I think, episode two about your trouble is branding, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're so low-key? I enjoyed the kind of underspin that this has. They did, in these two episodes, they did a lovely job of sort of sketching out the stakes. You know, I mean, Clint is really in this because he he wants to have a good Christmas with his kids. They've already established the ticking clock that he's got five days to wrap this up, to clear up this mess that Kate kind of set in motion by putting on the Ronan suit. And I wanted to, to, to talk with you about that, about bringing both Ronan's sword and the Ronan suit back in. What's your take on that? Well, they needed a reason to introduce the two of them,
1: right? Mm-hmm. So yep. he's got to have some sort of bat beacon shine up into the sky that will call him out of, of family life to go send mm-hmm. him on an adventure. So this is the MacGuffin mm-hmm. that starts the, the story forward. And now that they're on their adventure, who knows where it's going to end up taking us? Because I like just the name, the tracksuit mafia. Mm-hmm. It sounds very comfortable, and I would like to be part of a tracksuit mafia just because of the leisurely quality of. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm in my tracksuit today, guys. I'm just going to take it easy.
0: Okay, okay. I I would argue the Ronan suit that Kate put on did get his attention, and it is what sent Clint out the door to chase down that this person who's wearing a suit. But I'll, I would argue the watch. The way they've set up the watch. Is it Stark Tech? Is that what you think, Jim? Is it Stark Tech from the tower or something? I don't know. But it's just sort of like, what I love so far about the structure of the show is when Kate goes to Armand III's apartment and, you know, they deliberately stop at the bowl of butterscotch and she's like, you know, looks at it and that's ridiculous. You know, monogram butterscotch. And then they paid that off in episode two with a, a reveal about... Maybe the boyfriend isn't quite the nice guy you think he might be. There's definitely some classic structure going on here. So the the fact that you've got, you know, 90 seconds to find this watch and, you know, they find it, they bobble it. And I'm still trying to figure out how the dog has the watch because they seem to have insinuated that. Did the dog eat the watch? Now you were mentioning, uh, the hearing loss thing and, you know, in our last moments of episode two, we get to meet who appears to be Maya Lopez Echo, who is played by a Cox, uh, who is a deaf native American actress. Do you think this is the big bad
1: or? I have no idea. I mean, it could be unless we've got another hearing impaired person in the show that's yet to be revealed, which is always a possibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have no idea who's who the actress was that we saw at the end of episode two. Maybe I should go IMDb her and see if she looks like the same person. What did what okay. do you think? Is it the same person? You
0: think it's someone uh, else? You know, Marvel Studios is already talking about the Echo spinoff. One of the things that they are walking out of Hawkeye is that there will be yet another limited series called Echo and built around this character. So I'm I'm wondering if this is in fact our villain. I know we're about to be introduced to her and you know and at the same time remember there's been all this talk about Florence Plug's character from Black Widow and how she's eventually supposed to come on the canvas with Hawkeye. So I I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet. We we have seen the Big Bad. Oh, more to the point, again, you know, the pieces are still moving around the board. I don't understand yet what's significant about that watch, but the fact that it was dug out of the wreckage of the Avengers compound upstate. All right. I think there's something there. I don't know. It, it just makes me want to do more digging here. And in fact, that that's another thing I want to remind folks of. If you go over to Disney plus, they have just posted a brand new Marvel legends, which is a deep dive on Clint Barton and Hawkeye and, Geez, Aaron, I I would bet you real money that the the very sequence you just described of Clint, you know, diving backwards off of the building and firing the arrow up. I, I, you know, I would put good money down on, you know, that being part of, of that footage. So, well, how many
1: other uh, shots do they have where the guy is doing something incredibly awesome? Usually he's, he's the background character. while. Thor summons lightning or Cap slings a shield or Iron Man goes flying by. It's, you know, he's the mm-hmm. guy with the bow and the arrow. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's usually in the background. Unfortunately, poor guy. It's good to have him in a full season, though. I mean, oh, I, no, no, no. I really, no, really I... enjoyed uh, getting to spend time with the, the, it seems like he's so dour and upset. Of course, he wants to get back to go see his family and that's mm-hmm. the reason. But yeah, it's like just the grumpy old
0: man. But at the same time, what I've enjoyed about this is when they show him returning to the scene, the, the apartment, uh, the fire in Kate's apartment, and he wants to go looking for the for the jacket and how matter of fact he is about wading into going under the police tape, sliding up to a fire truck, helping himself to a helmet and a jacket. And then he immediately becomes invisible, you know, because, you know, who's going to pay attention to another fireman at the site? Likewise, I, I enjoyed him being kind of a dad to Kate, you know, to the effect of, Oh no, you put the bandaid on. Hang on. Let me take care of this. I realize, at least in these first two episodes, he's like, you know, well, we probably won't talk again. So this is goodbye and don't call me or I'll block you. It feels like they're setting up a fun relationship. It's, it's an interesting adventure so far and just intrigued to see where it goes from here. So speaking of where do they go from here? Final story for this week. Did you see this item, Aaron, that literally as soon as Scarlett Johansson wrapped up her lawsuit with Disney and Marvel, and immediately on the heels of the announcement that, by the way, we're still going forward with the Tower of Terror movie, this other story bubbled up that Marvel reached out and said, okay, we're cool. Everybody's cool. All right, we got this secret thing we need you to work on us with. So Scarlett is back working at Marvel Studios on something for the MCU. I want to know what this is. I also have a question, uh,
1: slightly off tangent, but uh, you know, since she had her lawsuit, and then you'd always talk about how there was uh, The Rock and then Emily Blunt were getting some money to come back for Jungle Cruise. Yes, uh, Jungle Cruise 2. And, How come you uh, never mentioned the brother? Because, I mean, there I watched that movie just recently, and there's apparently a brother character that goes through the entire darn movie, but he does not appear on the poster, and I don't know his name because he is not a famous enough actor to know his name. And uh, it, did he get all of that money as well, or did he not get no money because I, I don't know his name? And do you know his name? I you know, it's mm, Yeah, that's so... why he don't get no money, because
0: he's not Dwayne the Rock Johnson smelling what he's cooking. it's intriguing that you bring up the jungle cruise because when nance and i were flying down to orlando for the the disney dish live event she actually streamed the jungle cruise to her phone so i watched it sideways uh from my seat next to uh (laughs) and and i know i know the character of which you speak the the brother but yeah, I, I for the if you held a gun to my head, I couldn't name the character's name. Uh exactly. I, but I couldn't the actor, on the other hand, I could tell you Paul Giamatti is in this and I hope that yeah. uh, you know Paul Giamatti gets a check and, and gets to come back. Yeah but, but yeah, but screw the
1: brother who we don't know the name of, right? No, come on. He's <clears throat> gotta put him on the poster. The whole time, like the whole time they did marketing of this movie, I thought it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Emily Blunt, and nobody else. A bunch of crocodiles, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting out of that, but there would be no other people in this movie because I did not see their face on the poster. Now, Marvel, Mm. when they put out a poster, they put 30 heads in a circle and let you know every
0: darn person that's going to be there in a montage. We need a montage. uh, Seriously, Google right now the Cosmic Rewind poster for Epcot. And it, because it is, it's you, the poster you just described mm-hmm. is the poster they put out for this ride, you know, no. to the effect of people have expectations about when it comes to marketing and Marvel. Uh, speaking of marketing and Marvel, I'm going to
1: float this one out there before we close the show and see if anyone else has this issue or not. Mm-hmm. My wife thought Hawkeye was going to be a film. Oh. so there's one of two things happening and both are totally viable one either my wife has checked out of all things mcu so much and she just does not care to pay attention at all which is a true statement she's mm-hmm. she don't care about nothing marvel right now okay or two disney is just not as great about differentiating what is going to be a streaming series and what is going to be a movie has anybody out there who's a more casual fan, not a diehard fan, because we're all, you know, injecting it, mainlining it straight into our veins, mm-hmm. but uh, the more casual viewers, are you going, hey, is this going to be a film? Or is this going to be a series? I'm confused. Because there is a lot of different stuff coming. Mm -hmm. And it's all different titles. And maybe some people don't know, is this going to be a film? Is this going to be a series? Is it so far off in the future? I shouldn't be excited about it today or is it coming next week?
0: That's intriguing. Cause I I, want to say this past week on ABC, uh, they just wrapped up. I want to say, geez, season 30 of dancing with the stars. And I'm pretty sure they, they pushed rather hard on that show. For Hawkeye, but but always ending with the that title card that this is on Disney Plus.
1: But does that mean? I mean, because we just came out of a time of strict COVID where movies came out on Disney Plus as well, uh, and is. a lot of people may not be aware that Disney is trying very very hard to make sure that their film, their high quality AAA title film mm-hmm. experiences, end up in a theater where they want them to be, and uh-huh. then show up on Disney Plus much much later. But it wasn't all that long ago that uh, some movies came out same day and date as uh, they did in theaters as they did on Disney plus. So yeah, because there was a black widow movie, not that long ago, my wife was expecting, well, of course this is going to be a Hawkeye movie, just like a black widow movie. Right. Right. And then we got through the first episode and she went, well, that was a very short, movie and it ended very (laughs) abruptly i must say i'm very confused is there a sequel coming out and i said as a matter of fact as soon as i click this button we get part two and then we watch that one she goes another very very short movie is there another one coming out and i said next week and uh we'll keep playing that game until she catches on no she's she knows she she knows what's up
0: now but (laughs) fascinating question because we are in this weird media space now Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting insight from your bride. I have to chew on that one. I have to think about that.
1: Yeah. Any, any of our listeners just uh, hit us up on the old
0: social media machines mm-hmm. and uh, tweet the words at us. Speaking of which, Aaron, if folks are looking to follow you on social media, how can they do that? It's really
1: expensive. You have to call the scientists at SETI the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, very expensive to get time on their satellites, but well worth it. You buy some time on their radio telescopes, you point them to Alpha Centaur, and you ask TK421, why aren't you at your post? And then uh, when he doesn't have a good enough answer, you send them straight to AzaProd down on Twitter level, mister.
0: You know, the the scary part of this is over the past few weeks, Len and I have been reached out to to so many people who are really for real rocket scientists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I know. They (laughs) get this joke. They're the only ones that get this joke. I know, I know. (laughs) It's just sort of like we're amusing people who are much brighter than we are. So, Mm. you know, I I, I just enjoyed that. Anyway, us for social media, Nancy, would like uh, me to remind you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook at Jim Hill Media News. Thank you so much for listening. And here's hoping you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving this year. And Aaron and I will be back with a brand new episode where hopefully we'll chat about uh, episode three of Hawkeye. So till then, take care.